Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. I'm also joined, as always, by Terry, who's also in Minnesota with me, and Bob, who's in Virginia. We are three distinct voices, bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into this conversation. We want you to join in the conversation as well. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leave a message there. We also have a link in the description. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house here in Minnesota and in the Midwest. Now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations continue to be a light not only for us, but for you as well. Now let us welcome Terry and Bob into the conversation. This week on our episode, we'll cover some Catholic news. Our main topic this week will be on forgiveness. Our saint spotlight this week is on Pope St. Cornelius and St. Cyprian. Take it away, Bob. Thank you very much, Phil. And uh, good evening, good morning. What's well, evening here to uh, uh, both you brothers. Good to have you. And to all our fans listening to the podcast, let's open in prayer, shall we? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Gracious and loving God, thank you for another beautiful day, another day to come together in faith and speak of you and the church. As we go forward tonight and have our discussions, please interject yourself through all the things that we talk about, because we know that you're present with us all the time. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit. amen. Amen. All right, so let's talk news. Okay, let's talk some news, Bob. Just a couple things real quick. Um, The first thing I want to bring up is uh, something that was in the Huffington Post here. Let me get the date real quick. Uh, It was published on 9-11. We just just celebrated 9-11. Terrible what happened. And I think when we do our prayer intentions at the end of today, which I believe uh, either Terry or Phil will be doing the closing prayer when we do our prayer intentions, I think we're going to include all those victims of of 9-11 because we just passed that in. And their and their families and so on. It's just um, kind of a national. Ho- it is a national holiday for us, um, or should be an official national holiday potentially. Absolutely. Um, so, the Huffington Post uh, printed an article uh, on the Pope, where the Pope had a uh, interview with uh, an Italian culinary writer named uh, Carlo Petrini, and and the headline is what gets you. And people should go and look at this stuff because just don't look at the headline, read it, but but then also try to discern what it is the Pope was talking about. So the the headline of the article is Pope Francis says says the headline in the Huffington Post on that article says Pope Francis saying having sex and eating good food is simply divine. Now, if you read that, you you might be a little shocked by that, but you need to read further and you need to understand where the where uh, uh, you know, the comments the Pope makes and kind of put them into context 
and also understand the writer and and where the writer's coming from here and and i know phil knows a lot more about this writer and some of some of the interviews he's had with the pope or the writings he's have and, and he can be uh misleading at least in and i think in your opinion for sure uh on this yeah so right? the only the only point i wanted to bring up was that at times this writer has taken some liberties with some of the things the Pope has said, but we also know that our Holy Father has been, you know, he said things in news conferences or in briefings um, that maybe people are shocked by, but any of the things that Pope Francis has said, as all three of us have talked about before, he's not changing doctrine. He's not changing a direction of the church. Um, and again, you know, just as like what Bob said, you know, read it, but read it with a discerning heart, you know, don't always just take it at face value because this writer has in the past misled or maybe misunderstood to be as charitable as possible what the Holy Father was saying. So I don't, I don't want to parse through the content of the article. I mean, people should go out and read it, but when they, when they see a headline like that, don't just jump to some conclusion that, you know, Pope Francis has said something radical. And we're, and we're not saying he hasn't said things that are radical, like Phil just mentioned. But read the article and understand it in the context. And then also look at what's changing in doctrine, which nothing has been changing. Terry, do you have anything to add on this? No, but I, but I agree with you because, to be honest with you, it was the headline that caught my eye as I was looking through the news of the day and caused me to stop to say, hey, whoa, wait a second, what is this? And that's when I actually shared it with the both of you. So we're going to move on to another article. This is just brought to my attention today. That This was in the Star Tribune, actually today, the Minneapolis Star Tribune. The, the t- and, and it's another headline i mean headlines are meant to try to attention grab so make sure you read but it says two renegade priests one calls COVID a sham and one says democrats face hell i mean it's partially true right so what we have is we have two priests um one is uh father altman from lacrosse which you know i've read through the article he was on this video on youtube talking about uh, uh, Catholic, uh, uh, calling Catholic Democrats godless and hypocrites and they're doomed to hell and, and so on. So it's so a very controversial thing getting into the political arena, not from the pulpit, right, but from, from a video from this, you know, this organization that maybe is, maybe would be considered more fringe, maybe, I, I don't know. But so that's a, you know, that's a controversial thing. And he did get in trouble for it with his bishop. The other, which I find to be a little bit more objectionable, is this uh, Reverend Altier from Crystal, Minnesota, who from the pulpit basically talked about COVID, um, saying that it was, and let me find, if I can find the quote, um, that's, eh, he basically kind of led led his, Christians to believe that COVID they've been lied to and it's a sham and, and all this other stuff. So to me that I find that to be a lot more objectionable and, and to be really be 
you know, especially from doing it from the pulpit. But both of those just it's not as much what they said. It's the framework of what they said it right. Here is a priest, a member of the church uh, organization who's, you know, saying these types of things, whether they're political responses or even the COVID one that could be construed as a political response in their official capacities. And then the the uh, the challenge and the and the controversy that causes, and it's a very slippery slope for us. So I'm going to stop here and allow you guys to chime in on this. So I have seen the video. I was not aware of Father Altier's uh, comments, uh, but I've seen the video from Father Altman, and the one thing that kind of struck me because it is a very um, strongly worded to a video there are components of what he's saying that you can see the seed of truth in but when you hear it in the way that it was delivered it lacks that that charity that love to actually have people have that conversion of heart to see how republican democrat doesn't matter the choices that we're making were all sinful people and if we're making the wrong choices in my opinion if you have some kind of if you have a video that is worded like this it is very unlikely that this video will change you know will give you a metanoia right uh a returning back to god if i had to guess right so so my so here's a question if father altman did this video but just didn't mention democrats and just did it as a strictly pro-life video would that have been acceptable or still would it have been associating maybe with a group that he shouldn't have been associating with and doing that but at least it would have been more of a pure strictly church message you know yeah father frank pavone who is the uh he leads the priests for life movement so he speaks all the time on the pro-life movement and he's a priest similar in my opinion had he not attacked all democrats because when you use generalizations like that then you're you're not seeking to know each and every individual and see i just feel like i understand when you speak when you talk like that it's going to get a reaction and especially from you know uh what are considered as trad caths right or traditional catholics a lot of them really like this video, and he's speaking to them. But again, right. to anyone else, it just lacks a lot of what we are used to seeing from proper decorum and love and respect as members of the body of Christ. That That's where I think that video is, is missing that mark, is because it's using a generalized term. I understand the points he's bringing, but I think... Um, you know, there are other ways to bring that point and actually have people have a real, you know, turning back to God and metanoia. Right. I think we, we had this conversation on the, on the, uh, the pre-show show, um, where we said, you know, he, he picked on Democrats in this case who are mostly pro-choice and understand that. Um, but you know, to, to vote with a Catholic conscience, I think we all agreed that you know, it, it, it would be, you know, challenging to support either party, you know, because, um, 
politics is a lot more complicated. And I, I just think it would be a challenge. I mean, you couldn't just say, hey, vote for Republicans because Democrats are going to go to hell because of pro-life. And, and depending on where we rank those types of issues, and I understand that as far as the importance, but, you know, so neither party is is not without sin, so to speak, in regards to the things that the church believes. So, um, and I think we're going to try to talk about that maybe in the next week or two as we get closer to the election, maybe in Maybe in early October we'll talk about that. <clears throat> but let me, and and not to not to mute Terry on this, but let me just move to another comment that Father Altier made in the COVID, and I think this is where we have a bigger problem. So this is right out of the article. Father Altier uh, said, "quote It's a man-made virus." Um, he told his congregation. He said work had begun in a laboratory in North Carolina and they shipped it to China to finish the work and it was released so that people would get sick. All this is being done on purpose. And then he argued that that it was a lie that thousands of people were dying from the virus. No hospitals were being overwhelmed with COVID patients. Um, There was one hospital that appeared full in New York uh, because the city shipped all of its COVID patients there, so it would look like it's full. And then uh, they moved. The reason, potentially, I think I'm getting that the reason that the COVID patients had been moved to nursing homes, maybe in the case of New York, was because there weren't enough people dying. And then said that there would be no way that he would take the COVID vaccine. Um, the only way that he'd take it is if they arrest him. So these are the quotes out of the article. I haven't listened to the audio, but I think there is a audio form of the sermon. You should go and look at that if the, or in, and listen to that. If this is true, this is a lot worse than what Father Altman said. So, I mean, I, I, I'm almost speechless by hearing somebody say this in the pulpit. I mean, from the Catholic Church. Terry, help me on this. Is this, is this what your homilies are about? <laughs> oh, oh, not even close. Not even close. But it does bring to light exactly some of the things that we have been shown and been taught. You know, you from the pulpit, you don't cross into that political realm. You need to break open the word, first of all, for the people of God in the house of God. Okay? Secondly, you, you people want to hear about God's love. They don't want to hear about damnation. They don't want to hear about... Um, man-made viruses. One of the things, and Phil, um, you probably remember this too, because we had the uh, same homiletics uh, supervisor. Um, She shared with me that a priest shared with her years ago, at any given time, 95% of the people sitting in the pews are hanging on by a thread. Now, that could be financially, that could be emotionally, that could be mentally, that could be physically, but in some way, shape, or form, they are hanging on by a thread. And with your words and what you say from the pulpit could enforce them and bring them up or bring them down and maybe even, you know, enter into that dangerous territory of cutting that thread. So... Our words matter, and I think I've said this 
on other podcasts before, at no other time in human history do our words with one another in daily conversation, as well as all of us that have been given the responsibility of breaking open the word of God, need to be careful about what it is that we are saying to our people. That's my point. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And, you know, people, obviously, we don't like to hear some of the things. Um, There are ways to help in a homily to gently correct people. We're all sinners. So we can call out those sins and say, you know, we shouldn't be doing this, this thing or that thing. And we use the term we, and we don't say you, you know, we don't call out the people um, and be as, you know, we're, we're being inclusive because we're all sinners and we've all fallen. We have, right. we all are missing that mark. And so always bringing, you know, that message with love, right? Christ corrected people too. So we also try to correct people, but with love. That was, he, he did that in a way not to, um, like the woman at the well, right? He did that not to call her out so that she felt little of herself, but instead help her realize that God's forgiveness was so much more than what she had been seeking prior. Well, I, I think that the priest in this case could, you know, if, if he really felt the pandemic was, you know, because it is such a unique time for us. I mean, we haven't lived through this kind of experience. He, he could have he could have used that as a as a metaphor. He could have connected it to the Bible. He could have connected it to the Old Testament, to the plague. He could have done all these things and and then not say, and not said he knows for sure that these are the things, but just to say that you know we live in these uncertain times. Just you know and and do all that kind of stuff instead of basically speak like he's an intel officer that he knew it was produced in North Carolina. <laughs> I mean, it's just radical. I mean, and it really turns people off. I used to go to mass in Crystal years ago. I mean, if I heard that, I mean, I I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd want to come back after that because I'd be like, wow, what is, what is wrong with that priest giving that radical, uh, a homily and and I don't know maybe he has experience of doing it but this is the first that we've seen. I would have jacked him up. Been publicized, the, I would have yeah. jacked him up after the mass for sure. So and uh, during the Spanish flu, the 1918 pandemic, <clears throat> priests and pastors um, did the same. There were some that did the same kind of thing that said we refuse to close our churches. We you know they all the, all of those similar types of things happened. It was minority, like it is, I would say, more of a minority now. More and more things are opening. More and more bishops are are uh, removing the dispensation. So there's, uh, I think, m- as we get further on in the in the, through this pandemic, you know, more and more, at least in our, at least where I'm at, where I am, and in the Midwest region for sure, more things are opening. And we're seeing more and more um, opportunities for people to uh, practice their faith where it was far more restricted even a couple months ago. So let's say you disagreed with the shutdown of churches, which I initially was totally against. I came around to kind of understand it partially with the virus, but I still think we should have found a way. And we've had many of 
plenty of discussions on this. And, and I think taking away the ability for us to receive the Eucharist for that period of time was just horrible. Okay. And maybe it was necessary, but I, I didn't agree with that. All right. Let's say the priest believes that. Well, then that's what you should speak to and say, I'm, I'm not, or, or say something about the virus is somehow causing us to, you know, turn away from God. And this is where we shouldn't turn away from God, especially in a time of crisis. We should turn toward God and we should be here and that type of thing, except saying that somehow it's some man-made something. I mean, that's because that's not what it is. And we all know that. There's no, there's a lot of agendas with the virus, unfortunately, and it's been overly politicized. We all agree with that. But we we don't think that most people have agendas. The most people, they're just trying to, you know, deal with the virus. And and many of these people have lost family members. I mean, there are probably people in the congregation who have lost family members to COVID. Imagine how they feel when they hear that. So it's certainly not providing the uh, the heart and the love of Christ that that is for sure. Well, we'll see how this story develops as it goes forward. So that's all the time we have for news this week. So let's transition to our main topic, which is forgiveness. I hope people forgive that priest for giving that homily that way. Thank you, Bob. I don't really have to lead this one. We can all speak always about prepared. this, but yeah, always prepared, always ready. Um, Johnny at the ready. That's our I'm film. Never prepared. This was brought up because we just had uh, Matthew chapter eighteen, verse twenty-one. We had that parable of the unforgiving servant in our liturgy, the twenty-fourth Sunday in ordinary time, and it carries on into the following weekend. We heard it the previous weekend, and we're hearing about forgiveness. And so we wanted to talk about this. I think it's a great topic to talk about. There's a beautiful section in the fourth part of the catechism, the part on Christian prayer that talks about it's diving into the Our Father, but it speaks to forgiveness really well. So I did want to just maybe skim over a couple of these things, but I have lots of other areas we can go. So I just want to start with a couple things. Uh, uh, Everybody stay awake for this piece, please. I'll try to speak very quickly. (laughs) Paragraph 2838, the petition, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us is astonishing. If it consisted only the first phrase, and forgive us our trespasses, it might have been included implicitly in the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, since Christ's sacrifice is that sins may be forgiven. But according to the second phrase, our petition will not be heard unless we have first met a strict requirement. Our petition looks to the future, but our response must come first. For the two parts are joined by the single word, as. There's a a beautiful preacher, Father Larry Richards, that speaks well of this. That if we refuse to forgive others, if we harness that hate, that anger, that wrath, that that hunger for vengeance, that that is what will limit our ability to have real, true, full communion with God because we're closing him out to this thing. 
So forgiveness is so important, so important today, especially in our day and time. On paragraph 2840, and then I'll turn it over to you guys. Now, this is the daunting. This outpouring of mercy cannot penetrate our hearts as long as we have not forgiven those who have trespassed against us. Love, like the body of Christ, is indivisible. We cannot love God, love the God we cannot see if we do not love the brother or sister we do see. In refusing to forgive our brothers and sisters, our hearts are closed and their hardness makes them impervious to the Father's merciful love. But in confessing our sins, our hearts are opened to his grace. That was beautiful, Phil. Thank you. And uh, love the reference from 1 John in there. Um, Very strong, convicting Bible verse that... um, Heard at uh, a retreat a couple of years back. In fact, it was a talk by Father Larry Richards that was being played at the retreat. And uh, it was very much kind of like a two by four over the head for me. So, but forgiveness, you know, forgiveness is very powerful and it does play a key component in our health. And uh, I recently, uh, did a stretch, uh, an internship, if you will, as a chaplain at the local hospital here. And one of the uh, one of the presentations that we heard was on forgiveness and how it can affect your health. And it is just absolutely amazing. It it would be for every little wrong, every little thing that is done against us that we can't forgive is like strapping on a 20 pound brick and carrying it around with us every single day. And you think that after a while that would just weigh you down to the point of where you can't go on. Great. I love that picture. Thank you, Terry. Thank you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I mean, it was for me guys, this Listening to this presentation was a real game changer, and I actually elaborated on that, did a little bit of a uh, research for my end of the end of the internship final project that I had to do uh, before I was done with the internship. And uh, if you want, I, I made a PowerPoint presentation of it. I can certainly. We can certainly share that on our uh, anchor page if uh, if you want me to send that over to you, Phil. I love your enthusiasm, Terry. I, I, I can't say thank you enough for the yeoman's work on this. One thing what I wanted to – yeah, ooh, good question. <laughs> good enough, if right? if it's like a C or a B minus, no way we're putting that out to the people. <laughs> okay. All right. It must be an A quality work. Well, that's all. I, that's all we do on this show is a quality work, right, guys? Amen. What we strive for. Amen. Yes. <laughs> so don't bring, don't be bringing us down. Five stars on iTunes. I, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, five stars. <laughs> that's that our that's our mid roll commercial. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Way to get that plug in, Phil. Uh, just one final point to wrap up on on forgiveness, and that is um, holding on to all of the hurt and all of the pain that is in your life is like drinking poison and expecting the person who hurt you to die. 
So quickly, all I'll say, this is great points, much better than what I'm going to say, but I'll add it anyway, <laughs> because people love to hear me. And of course we do. Forgiveness is about your relationship with Jesus. It's not about the other person. Now, you should forgive them because you should love your neighbor. However, that doesn't mean you condone their behavior. You're forgiving them because they've wronged you. And I always look at, and I go out on a limb here a little bit, <clears throat> I see folks who have ha- have been just just aggrieved, to, uh, you know, to an extreme point, right? They've had a loved one maybe that's been killed, and, and they're talking about their torment, and they feel that the only way that they're going to be released and have closure and all this other stuff is through, you know, the person either being convicted, put in prison, or many times capital punishment and being. Uh, being killed in an electric chair gas chamber or something like that. And that's a different subject, the death death penalty, but they feel that somehow they're going to have some sort of closure or release of that pain. And to me, I see that and I go, I feel so sorry for those folks because what what Jesus is calling them to do is to forgive that person and, and get their relationship right with God. That doesn't mean they condone the actions, the actions were heinous, and and we call those things out, and we have a legal system for that. But, you know, getting putting that person in prison forever or 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 killing them, it's not going to bring your person back. So you need to, you know, your loved one back. So you need to go through that forgiveness. I, and I know that's the ultimate. I have I've never experienced that, um, and it's you know I'm trying, you know, it's very difficult. But but I see that and I'm just sad. And it, just to just reiterate, that's what forgiveness is about. So a- Absolutely. Forgiveness. And, you know, we've all heard the adage, forgive and forget. Forgiveness does not mean that you forget. There are some things, right. like Bob just mentioned, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, you know, some of the abuse that's gone on in the church. Those acts can can not ever be forgotten. They leave a permanent scar on your soul. However, forgiving that person of the wrong that they have done frees you from those chains and from all of that hate and bitterness and allows you to walk a a much less burdened, weighed down individual. Now, that may take some time because, again... You know, you can't, you know, somebody dies last month and you're supposed to forgive them this month that, you know, that doesn't happen. But it it does take some time and take some healing. But at some point, my prayer for everybody who's ever been hurt is that at some point you can reach that point to forgive the person who's been wronged as somebody who has uh, recently done that to somebody who has wronged me a great deal. It is an amazing weight lifted off your shoulders. I will just say that. Okay, well, we need to transition because now all this forgiveness talks just makes me think of a Don Henley song that he sang about, I think a duet that he sang about forgiveness back in the probably the 1990s. Um, Terry can think about that and see if he remembers <laughs> what it is. We're going to take a short break. And then we're going to be back with Cyprian and another saint, which I can't remember. We'll be Cornelius. right back. 
Hey, we're back. Thanks for staying with us. All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk Saint Spotlight now, and uh, and Terry's gonna, as always, very well prepared, and he's gonna bring it to us. Go ahead, Terry. All right, thank you, Bob. And today we are spotlighting Saints Cornelius and Cyprian. They share a feast day of September the 16th. These are two early heroes and fathers of the church, um, Cornelius being the patron saint against earaches, epilepsy, fever, twitching, and also of cattle, domestic animals. And in the Rhineland, he was also the patron saint of lovers. Cyprian, however, is the patron saint of Algeria, North Africa. So nothing is known of Cornelius's early life. Pope St. Cornelius was the Bishop of Rome from 6 or 13 March 251 to his martyrdom in June of 253. He was Pope during and following a 14-month period without a Pope because of the persecution of the Church and a schism that occurred over how repentant church members who had practiced pagan sacrifices to protect themselves from that persecution could now be readmitted to the church. Cornelius agreed with Cyprian of Carthage that those who had lapsed could be restored to communion after varying forms of penance. That position was in contrast to the Novationists, who held that those who failed to maintain their confession of faith under persecution would not be received again into communion with the church. Of course, uh, Novation was considered the anti-pope at the time. This created a great uh, split, a schism in the Church of Rome that spread and saw uh, each side to gather their own support. Now, these persecutions resumed in 251 under M- Emperor Trebonius Gallus. Cornelius was sent into exile in another part of Italy, but the Pope read, led his brethren in confession, writes Cyprian, with a manifest reference to the confession of Peter. Saint Pope Cornelius may have died from the rigors of his banishment, but later accounts say that he was beheaded. Now, turning to St. Cyprian of Carthage, he is second in importance only to the great St. Augustine as a figure and a father of the African church. He was a close friend of Pope St. Cornelius and supported him both against the anti-Pope Novation and his views concerning the readmittance of the faithful into the church. St. Cyprian was born into wealthy pagans around the year 190 and was educated in the classics and in rhetoric. He converted at the age of 56 and was ordained a priest one year later and was elected bishop two years after that. He was an energetic shepherd of souls and a prolific writer. He defended the unity of the church against schismatic movements in Africa and in Italy and greatly influenced the shaping of church discipline relative to reinstating Christians who had 
fallen away because of the um, persecution at that time. As Bishop of Carthage for nearly 10 years, Cyprian had only one year of peace. During the persecution, Cyprian considered it wiser to go into hiding and guide his flock covertly rather than seek the glorious crown of martyrdom, a decision that his enemies did attack him for. He did guide the church by means of letters. Eventually, he did get arrested and was tried for being a Christian. When he was read his death sentence, he exclaimed, Blessed be God. The execution was carried out at once in an open place near the city. A large crowd followed Cyprian on his last journey. He took off his garments without assistance, knelt down, and prayed. After he, was bl after he blindfolded himself, he was beheaded. Cornelius and Cyprian encouraged each other to lead virtuous, self-sacrificing, and loving lives for God. And that, gentlemen, is Saint Pope St. Cornelius and Bishop Cyprian, our Saint Spotlight of the Week. Beautiful saints, and what a neat intersection uh, to hear about that Novation movement that is so very similar, as we talked about in our pre-podcast, to the Pelagian movement. Same kind of thing. And it's very similar to what we talked about at the beginning in our Catholic News se segment when we talked about how we're all fallen. And in order to recognize that I can be reconciled and I can come back to God, that's all part of what that novation movement was against. They basically said if you denied God, you apost you were in a uh, in the state you what you denied God, that you had no way to come back into the church. And there were heroic, faithful uh, Catholics that said, no, actually. God longs for our reunion. Yes, there's going to be a penance, right, when you fall away from God, but still, there's a way back. You're never cut off completely. You can always come home. Bob, any thoughts? No, I just love Cyprian. I mean, I love the the early Christian writers from the the patristic area era. You know, and Cyprian was one of the ones that you know we discussed in class and and enjoyed all of those folks and uh, I'm just looking at some of them now besides Augustine and Tertullian you know so really early Christian fathers so yes sir very well done Terry and thank you it's it's good I mean these are these are saints that most people don't get a lot of exposure to so we try to we try to pull those out and give those to these folks uh, it's good education Yes, Phil. Pope St. Cornelius, St. <laughs> Cyprian, pray for us. Pray right. for us. Yeah. Now we've come to the part of the show where we're going to do the final prayer and the prayer intentions. But before we do that, we want to thank everybody for listening. And, and we want to encourage people to go to whatever podcast platform that they're utilizing and to rate us, to leave a comment, to leave a prayer intention. Make sure if you're going on Apple Podcast, which most people are, uh, give us a five-star rating because then other people will find the show and it makes us look good. Uh, we know we're that good, so please keep reinforcing that with us. Um, tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Phil's going to tell you about the website and give you some more in in information. Excuse me. 
You can go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics. You can also email us at strange Catholics pod at gmail.com. Links are in the description. So now it's time for all of our prayer intentions and our final prayer. And Phil is going to do that tonight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask for healing in our country, in our world, against this division that is tearing so many apart. Lord, we ask you to please grant your peace, your mercy, your love, so that we may better see as others before us that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Let us not deter from these things that are distracting, but instead keep our eyes focused on you. We lift up, pray for the repose of all those that died on September 11th, all those emergency workers, firemen, police officers, EMS, paramedics, that all went to help those, all those that have given their lives in sacrifice, fighting for, to defend the freedom of others. Lord, you have so abundantly blessed us, and we thank you for the things you have blessed us with. Please reach your loving, merciful embrace around us, each and every one of us, and grant us your peace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. What a great way to end, Phil. Thank you so much. And thanks again, everybody, for listening to the podcast this week. And until next week, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that it helps you continue to dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. If you would like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics. You can leave us a message there. We will play and respond to your question or comment as we are able in the next episode. We ask that you share this podcast and this episode especially with at least one person. This will help get the word out and help more people to join in the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps podcasts get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day, and may God bless you.